guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios, with Jeff Calkins on today's show, presented by Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas, online at RedRiverToyota.com. We're back with the Gabe Kuhn Show on 92.9 FM ESPN, with today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. Jeff, uh, looking forward to having another fun, fun conversation like we did yesterday. I want to talk more about the Grizzlies. Uh, and maybe if we have time, we get into some uh, Memphis football uh, as well. But I, I want to start off before I forget, because I'm old and I forget things. I want to start off first uh, talking about your Buffalo Bills uh, and Josh Allen real quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Con- Connor and I had this conversation yesterday off the air because he had told me that you were a Bills fan and so forth. I- I- my comparison to Josh Allen is Brett Favre. All day long, every day of the week. He is the closest thing that I believe we've seen in the NFL to Brett Favre. And the, and the idea that he's got a huge arm, he's got the ability to make something out of nothing uh, almost at all times, but then at the same time has the ability to make a throw where you go, what are you doing? Like, seriously, what just happened? And Favre was able to get to two Super Bowls. He won one, cost them a lot of playoff games, the Packers. Uh, over the course of time, and including the Minnesota Vikings, right? And we can go back to that that game with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I, I think that's my comparison for Josh Allen. And it's not bad. It's a Hall of Famer. It's at a high level, but it it changes things. Like, I, I don't I don't know if he's Mahomes. I don't think he's Brady. I, I don't think he's that. Uh, well, two things. First, I would take a Super Bowl. Like, I'd take that. I've, I have lived on this earth. Uh, for a, you know, whatever. When do you become a Bills fan when you're eight, let's say, or seven? Sure. I wasn't before then. And so I've been a Bills fan for 55 years, and I have, they have been Super Bowls, but we have not won one. And so, um, so I would happily take two, getting to two Super Bowls and winning one. Um, I think to say that he is not Patrick Mahomes and not Tom Brady is to say that he is not one of the two best quarterbacks or two of the three best quarterbacks who ever lived, right? Exactly, yes. And he is not that. You know, he, he is not one of the two best quarterbacks who ever lived. In some ways, he's not unlike – he's much more mobile than Jim Kelly, but when Jim Kelly was the Bills quarterback, he wasn't ever the best quarterback in the league at that moment. There was Joe Montana and there was, you know, Dan Marino. And there were others, John Elway at various points, whatever you thought of Elway. So, um, so, but he was a good enough quarterback, Kelly was, to win a Super Bowl if Scott Norwood had not kicked it wide right. Like, he was good enough to get to four Super Bowls. I think one of the things that, that Josh Allen is dealing with is that Patrick Mahomes exists. You know, like right now in the AFC, you've got a coach and a quarterback combination that are, you know, an all-time combination in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Um, And so, yeah, that's obviously what he's going to – and that to me is, yes, it's a sort of unfair comparison. It's a little bit of an inconvenient comparison for the Bills and for me as a Bills fan because the Bills – of course, had the pick that they then traded to Kansas City. Um, and and the, the strategy was, hey, let's get some extra picks, trade down. They traded down. They drafted Tredavious White. Kansas City then, with that pick, drafted Patrick Mahomes. Oh. The Bills then used that pick and another pick the next year to go up and get Josh Allen. And, um, and Josh Allen has been great. 
he's fabulous. He's likable. He's Superman. He's like he fits Buffalo exceedingly well. But he's not Patrick Mahomes. I do think that his recklessness, um, and, and that that's a topic a lot in Buffalo too, can be somewhat overstated. Like I, they didn't lose to Kansas City two years ago in the playoffs because of Josh Allen. Right. They lost because of the freaking defense couldn't hold the lead that Josh Allen gave them. You know, it wasn't because Josh Allen threw an ill-advised pick. They didn't lose to Cincinnati last night, last year. Honestly, they lost Cincinnati. They couldn't. Stay. They stunk up one side and down the other. So I think there is a little bit of a because we just saw bad Josh Allen against the Jets. There is this um, this sort of, and he does. He turns it all. He turns it over uh, uh, too much. He, he can be prone to being Superman. He also, by the way, this year. In terms of ball placement, I'm not a particularly an advanced stats guy, but Jeffrey Wright was just running the most accurate quarterback in the league this year in terms of, of, of putting balls where they can be caught. Um, so I think some of his, his weaknesses can be overstated. But until, here's the truth, until they certainly get to the Super Bowl and really probably win the Super Bowl, that's the burden that you have when you're great. You know, like no one, no one really judges Kirk Cousins. Like, yeah, he's great, but he hadn't won a Super Bowl. Like, because they don't expect it of Kirk Cousins. Right. But Josh Allen is great enough, um, just like Dan Marino was great enough. And now he got to one Super Bowl in his second year and didn't win it. Um, that in the end, the measure is Super Bowls. Like, I don't even think Dak Prescott is like good enough that you like. Yeah, you know, you know, like back there's like won a couple playoff games, Dak. You know, like. But with Josh, he's very clearly in the category where that will be how his career is defined. And if he could be Brett Favre and get to two Super Bowls and win one, I would be one giddy Buffalo Bills fan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember watching those Buffalo Bills teams, you know, four straight Super Bowls in Norwood game. I remember that like it was yesterday. Um, y'all deserved at least two probably of that whole deal. Well, they get the Cowboys. Cowboys were a beast back then too. I know, but yeah. What were you gonna they, say? they got destroyed in three of them. So yep. it's hard to argue that they, you know, the Cowboys beat up twice, I think. Yep. It was a Cowboys beat them twice in the, and, uh, and Washington. Is that right? Yeah. Tim, uh, it was Doug Williams and Tim Smith. Yeah. So they just got destroyed in three of them, but the first one, and honestly, it's like, that's a tough field goal for, for, you know, it wasn't a gimme, but it's a, on grass. It's a tough field goal for Scott Norwood. But um, they were the better team. They were, they were the better team than the Giants. They beat the Giants that year in the regular season. Um, and, and, and they were, you know, yes, they should have won one Super Bowl. Um, uh, clearly a great team. And they joined the Vikings uh, under Bud Grant as a team that, you know, went to four Super Bowls and lost them all. So, um that was fun, though. Like, you look back on it in the same way that Memphis Tiger fans, I mean, it's funny, like, we're talking about Derrick Rose. You look back at that at that crushing ending to that season if you're a Memphis Tiger fan, and, and it is still devastating that it was that close. Just like for me, it's devastating that <clears throat> wide right, whatever, it's, it was that close. Um, but people in Memphis had a hell of a lot of fun that year. No like, doubt. it was fun. And people in – uh, you know, people in Buffalo had a hell of a, year, a hell of a lot of fun those years. And in fact, as a Bills fan right now, I was saying this on my show um, that that 
I don't like. I don't necessarily know how this is going to go for the Bills the rest of the year. They could easily lose to Miami in Miami. I think that Miami offense is the truth, man. Even though the Bills slowed them down, and so you can go to Miami, you can lose that game. It could be disappointing season, etc. You have to, as a sports fan, you have to grab the moments. Like so, for me, I happen to be driving back to Memphis, listening to that to the game Sunday on the radio, but. You just have to revel in it. Like, no matter what else happens this year, like, that was a blast. The Dolphins just scored 70. People are talking about, wow, they're reinventing offense, a genius. Like, this is revolutionary. And is this the best offense we've ever seen? And they come to Buffalo and just get their ass kicked. And that's great fun as a fan. And if you can't savor those moments, no matter where it ultimately leads – then you're missing it because you're probably not going to win the title. In any given year, unless you're the Chiefs and Mahomes, you're probably not going to win the title. So you got to enjoy the fun along the way. And, and I'll say this, I was the year that the Bills drafted Josh Allen, I was at a dinner, and I was uh, a Boys and Girls Club. I was at a Boys and Girls Club dinner, and I'm a draft guy, so I was, I was nice. glued to my phone. Yep. And, uh, but I'd just been called up, and Gary Parrish said to me, Bills drafted Josh. And, this was, and then I'm like, yeah. And then he said, Allen. And I said, F. Because I <laughs> wanted them to draft Josh Rosen. Oh, like, well, good thing they didn't do that. And that just shows how wrong you could be. You know, like I totally – well, you remember Josh Allen was too wild. Oh, Every yeah. Every analytics guy told you he was going to be a failure because yep. there was no precedent for someone who completed 52% of his passes or whatever the hell it was to make it in the league. and. Like Josh Rosen was, you know, cerebral and he was more accurate, and I mean, I was just one hundred percent wrong. So the the pleasure that that Josh Allen has given me, being the Bills' quarterback, if he turns the ball over with a moment of stupidity, I will tear my hair out in that moment. But I will be grateful that it's been it's been five really good years or whatever, you know, and and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, along the way, so okay, and but, I think that, I think Packers and Packers and, and you know would say the same say the same same thing. Although they've been spoiled because you know they've had you know two in a row. Okay, but wait a second here. So let's let's play this out a little bit. So you had Kelly, and then you had a break, obviously. And now you've got Josh. Yeah, no, it was not a break. I had an ice age. I mean, it okay, was an ice age. Fine, like, fine, fine. fine. Like, okay, yeah. fair point. Fair point. So, but yeah. either way, in your lifetime, you've seen two really great players. And you may or may not get a Super Bowl at the end of the day. I think in the NBA, from a, a fan standpoint, talking about this Grizzlies team with John Morant, it's the same type of deal. Like, he may not be here forever. It may not always be John Morant and the Grizzlies. Playing on one team isn't something that happens a lot in the NBA anymore. And that's why, even though these guys are still relatively young, from a fan base perspective, you know, appreciate what you have now, yes, but at the same time, there's got to be some type of holding the feet to the fire here, I think, at some point, knowing that he's not going to probably be in Memphis forever. And when you have a superstar, there's no guarantee how long it will take for you to get another superstar to play in Memphis. No, but I don't know what that would, when you say hold the feet to the fire, obviously, like if that means put down the guns or put down the, the video, I mean, put down yourself, you know, your, your, your Instagram live or whatever the hell you're on, or if it means like, I think everyone is like, I I don't in the sense that 
if it means for the Grizzlies management to do everything you can do to build around Ja, it's not, honestly, I think the Grizzlies situation, it's not just that they have Ja, although they have Ja, and, um, and he's a true star. He's not a star, you know, of the, of the LeBron, KD. Like, there's, there's a certain uh, Steph, there's a certain echelon of star that actually, those are the people who tend to win championships, right? And then, can you win a championship with a star who's only the 10th best player in the league, right? If that's your best player is the 10th best player in the league, which is sort of Ja's category, 10 sure. to 15, somewhere yep. in there. I agree. Um, but no question, but the, 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 the nice thing is that the Grizzlies don't just have Ja. They also have Jaron, who's one of the better bigs in the league, uh, defensive player of the league, yep. and they've got Desmond Bain. So you've got three players um, who fit together perfectly, and I think people should appreciate that they've had two back-to-back, and I think, honestly, they do appreciate that they've had two back-to-back years of finishing second in the West, and I think there's a real sense that Jaron's under contract for the next three years. It, really, I'm not that worried about John moving on right now. I mean, the question is, is you know, what it's gonna, what's going to look like for anyone at the end of this three years? So you've got a three-year window now, which is, and people talk about the Bills' window closing, right? It clearly hasn't. But the, the, the Grizzlies now have a three-year window in which to do the damage, and who knows, it could extend beyond that, but in which to go ahead and try to get to an NBA Finals or win a title even. But I don't think that the measure, and maybe this is the loser mentality from going up in Buffalo and never having a championship, I don't think, like those sons of Steve Nash never won a title. The Utah Jazz of Stockton Malone never won a title. Um, You can, you know, so I don't know that the measure is if you don't win a title with this group, it's an abject failure. You'd like to see them take the next step soon and get to a Western Conference Finals or even an NBA Finals. And, and, And so much in the NBA, it feels like lately, depends on injury. You know, who's healthy once you get to the playoffs? So you'd like a year, not unlike Denver had last year, honestly, after having a bunch of years where they were not lucky in terms of injury, all of a sudden everything comes together and they have the year when they go on the run that they go on. I think that the job is to put yourself in that position year after year and hope that one year is going to be the year when, when things break magically for you. Last hour, Jeff, we talked about, uh, to start off the show, we talked about X-Factor for this Grizzlies team uh, kind of going into the season. We had talked about Zaire Williams probably being that guy, uh, trying to make that jump from really year one to year three after last year uh, where he was kind of had the knee tendonitis and stuff going on throughout the year. Uh do you think he is the X factor or would you have somebody else in mind? Well, if by X factor, you mean like so much of what the Grizzlies, I mean, I think the X factor, the X factor is what's Ja going to be when he comes back? Like, is he going to be the best version of Ja? It's the A through Z factor is with his team is what is Ja going to be is the biggest mystery. Uh, the biggest unknown around this team is, is he going to come back? In the, with a right mindset, totally committed to the task, and, you know, is this going to be a year of uh, triumph and redemption and just focus on, on hoops? Like, is that, to me, that's, that's the biggest 
if by X factor we mean what is unknown, because so much of the of the Grizzlies, it feel like it, it's known. Jaron, we know, is going to play great defense. Interesting to see what he'll happen offensively this year. Will he be a better rebounder? Will he be a better pick setter? Will he spend you know be, spend more time at the five? Stephen Adams, we know what he is. If he stays healthy, will Desmond Bain take a leap? Is kind of another step is another one. But in terms of who's a player who could emerge uh, for this team who has not yet emerged, I could easily see um, that being the, the, you know Zaire, um, and hopefully it is Zaire. They spoke confidently of it. Of it, like if if he could be. They have always wanted the classic three and D player, someone who right. can guard at the small forward position and hit shots, right? And okay. and be a factor in the open floor and and be a complimentary player. And so the idea of Zaire Williams has been compelling from the moment they drafted him. The reality of Zaire Williams has been something considerably less compelling ever since they drafted him. And so I think most Grizzlies fans are from like, he looks more like what you want. I heard you all talking about this earlier. He looks more like you want what you want than David Roddy. That last year, David Roddy was certainly a dramatically more productive player. And he sure. was healthy, right? So, so the idea of Zaire Williams, yes, if he could be what they imagined on the day they drafted him, that would be a huge bonus and a, and a bonanza for the team. I think most Grizzlies fans are like, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. And I think I'm a little bit in that camp, but if he could be that, that would be certainly spectacular. What should expectations be for this Grizzlies team? Oh, I mean, I think the expectations are to 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 be in the hunt, um, to avoid the play-in, to get into the playoffs, and to see where the chips fall. Right? I mean, to to, to I would like them to have a low drama year. Um, I'd like Ja to come back and be uh, the best version of himself. Um, and I'd like them to make the playoffs, not be in the play-in. If you could host the first, you, you know, be in the top four, that would be great. But I don't think it's mandatory. I don't even think the way it plays out is, you know, in terms of enhancing your chances in the playoffs is mandatory. And then, and then see where the chips fall in the playoffs. And, Sure, win a series, win two series. I think once you get to the playoffs, it's sort of, again, it depends on health and so many things at that point. Like, look at last year. They were second in the West. Is that your expectation? I think that actually probably exceeded my expectation. But then they went into the playoffs, and Steven Adams wasn't healthy. And, doesn't, you, know, and you know, all of a sudden you're dealing with injury and, and you know, um, even Luke Kennard got hurt for the, for the, right. you know, in the, in the playoffs against the Lakers. So, um, so I, I don't, I don't know what the, the, I don't, I don't think it's really fair to say what the expectations are. This isn't like a Celtics team where it's, it feels like it's time for them to win a title, right? It feels like with the, with the Celtics, they're at that moment. They're like where Milwaukee once was time to win a title. I don't think you can say that for the Grizzlies. I think the Grizzlies are, Let's reclaim your place in the league as one of the really promising and really good young teams in the league with that doesn't hasn't is no longer a punchline that just plays quality basketball, makes the playoffs, is entertaining and uh and, and, and avoids the play in. I, I would take that and then we'll see what would you know, be happy with whatever happens in the playoffs.
If you haven't read uh, Jeff's uh, columnist piece on Derek Rose today, make sure to do that uh, as well before you go to sleep tonight. Very, very well done, as always. Uh, I want to switch a little bit to Memphis football, if you don't mind. Uh-huh. How impressed no. yeah. were you by that football team fighting back from being down, what, 17 points to Boise State over the weekend and winning? Uh, I was, I was um, incredibly impressed by the resilience um, and – also impressed that a man named Jeffrey, who spells his name correctly, turned in the key play <laughs> with the blocked with the blocked field goal and returned for the touchdown. Yep. Um, it was dire at seventeen nothing. I mean, there hasn't been an undercurrent of sort of fretfulness or dissatisfaction or whatever with the trajectory of the program um, under Ryan. That's just true, and and. But we haven't ever had a moment where it's like felt like this isn't going to work enough. And when it was 17, nothing, you know, headed for who knows, like at that point, it could be headed to 38 to 10 or whatever to Boise State. You're like, this is going to be the moment when if people and for them to get off the mat and come back the the way they did, I think shows their belief in each other, shows their belief in the coaching staff and um, it was absolutely critical because right now, instead of facing that dire situation at four, you know, you're at four and one, it's about all you could have expected before the year began. When you, then the schedule came out, you're like, damn, they could be four and one heading into that critical game at home against Tulane. Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's where they are. So, so um, they, they worded off disaster and set up this potential matchup set up this matchup with Tulane. So I think it was, it's clearly not the biggest win in Ryan's tenure because he beat Mississippi state. He, he beat UCF. He like, he's had bigger wins, but I think it's the biggest did not lose in his, in his tenure, like to stave off disaster the way he did and the way that team did, I think from that perspective was absolutely pivotal. Yeah, I totally get down with that. And then you have a Tennessee team that's coming in here not Tennessee, a Tulane team coming in here off of that game against UAB where Trent Dilfer absolutely lost his ever-loving mind on the coaching staff. I think it's been the 80s since I've seen a coach do that to his own coaching staff. Yeah, that was something to watch. And, you know, Tulane has been – that was a struggle for Tulane, obviously. Um, so, you know, we shall see. They gave Ole Miss all they could handle. Um, and they've, you know, they, they've had the better program than Memphis of late. Uh, but Memphis has them at home. It's probably the last time that yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with the SMU game. It may be, let's put it that way, it may be the last time Memphis is an underdog this season. Um, and hopefully there were 30,000 plus whatever there last weekend, which was um, in group of five teams, which was the second best group of five attendance to attend to, to Fresno, I think, last weekend. Um, so that's a good crowd, and hopefully you can get another 30,000 plus for this one. And if you win this one, I mean, then you're really, then you're really setting yourself up for, for what could be a really splendid season. And that's awesome. Uh, check out Jeff's show again, weekday mornings from nine to 11. If you miss anything, you can download and listen to it later on your Odyssey app, but anything fun and exciting on tomorrow's show, Jeff? <sighs> anything fun and exciting. Well, John Martin comes in every day. And so that's always every, every Wednesday. That's fun and exciting. That's Chris good. Harrington uh, will be on, and that's fun and exciting, straight up 10 o'clock, and, uh, and we'll figure the rest out between now and then. 
It's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much for coming on, man. We'll talk yep. tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. You betcha. There he is. Jeff Hawkins uh, joining us again uh, weekday mornings, 9 to 11. I'm sure many of you listen to it already, but anytime you miss anything here on 92.9 FM ESPN, download, listen to it on your ESPN app. All right, coming up next, uh, round the NFL. Uh, and uh, got a lot of different teams to talk about. Got to first start off by talking about Aaron Rodgers' latest comments, taking shots at Travis Kelsey earlier today on the Pat McAfee Show. That's next here on the Gabe Coon Show. Steve Sparky Fiverr filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. With today's special guest host, Sparky Pfeiffer. All right, time to go around the NFL, like uh, we normally do here on a Tuesday in the Gabe Kuhn Show. Uh, and last night, Monday Night Football. They had that FanDuel Sportsbook picks or whatever the case may be. Hit it. How about it, huh? How about it? That's right. Uh, had the Seahawks. Uh, and uh, we had our guy, Daniel Jones, on two picks, which is exactly what happened. And my God, this Giants team is off. I mean, they, th- that's the one thing about the National Football League right now, folks. There are a lot of bad football teams. Not kind of bad, like really bad football teams. I'm not sure it's good for the league, to be quite honest with you. Uh, in years past, I don't remember having as many bad teams as, as seemingly we have now, but that's where we're at. Uh, and not only do you have bad teams, but in this case, you have a bad team with a gigantic contract. Jones had a signed a four-year, $160 million extension in March with the Giants. For what? 27 of 34, 203 yards, two picks. Uh, and in fact, the one pick uh, that he threw uh, got returned 97 yards by the rookie Devin Witherspoon for a touchdown for the Seahawks. At which point, Brian Dable came to the sidelines with his little iPad or whatever those things are that they're using over there. And what ends up happening, he shows it to Daniel Jones and just tosses it as he walks away. And that's just, that's something that when you see a coach get that type of frustrated, that's a coach that's saying, dude, we went over this and you keep doing the same dumb things. And it's driving, obviously, Brian Dable crazy. And as was brought up earlier by Connor, their offensive line play has not been great. No question. In which case, Brian Dabble has to put him in a better situation to succeed. But when you're down there in the red zone with a chance to score a touchdown, you can't make dumb throws in big situations, especially when you're a top 10 highest paid quarterback in the National Football League, dude. You have completely screwed this whole thing up. Uh, And in fairness, right, he doesn't have a lot of premier wide receivers that he's working with. I know that's part of it, but goodness gracious. Uh, And again, around the NFL, uh, sponsored by Long Shots. Uh, so thanks so much for them for being a, a part of this. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. But Brian Dable, who everybody was loving last year. Oh, man, what a job he did uh, with the Daniel Jones and fixing that. And Daniel Jones gets a big new contract. Year two, Daniel Jones looks like Daniel Jones did prior to Brian Dable uh, getting to the New York Giants. The Seattle Seahawks. All right, let's stay in that game. Seattle Seahawks last night. Is there a better story? Serious, is there a better story around the National Football League right now uh, than what we've seen here out of Seattle and Geno Smith? I mean, that dude's career, I'm not sure it ever really got off the ground to be done with, but everybody pretty much had written off Geno Smith. And then he comes back last year uh, and has a big year uh, and now gets the deal coming into this year as well. And Pete Carroll and John Schneider, the GM, are rolling with him, kind of going forward. Yeah, they got Drew Locke. 
But, but that's no, no threat to Geno Smith, kind of, uh, going forward. The Seahawks, apparently, uh, it looks like, have had a pretty good draft class uh, to this point. Charbonnet getting some run as well behind uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, and then you look at the wide receivers and Tyler Lockett, stud, really good. DK Metcalf uh, has proven he can be a really good wide receiver or so over the course of time as well. And then they bring in JSN from Ohio State uh, and are trying to work him in. Now, he hasn't done much of anything to this point uh, yet for the New York Giants, but I think he's going to be a key factor, uh, or I should say for the Seahawks, going forward. That's the Seattle team. Pete Carroll and John Schneider, it feels like they've kind of flipped the script. It took them a couple of years to kind of flip it. The Russell Wilson trade, man, please. They look just absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It looked like the Seattle Seahawks. Got getting rid of Russell Wilson, uh, going with a cheaper alternative in Geno Smith, getting everything they got for Russell Wilson, and then watching Russell Wilson be absolutely, I should say absolutely horrible. He was absolutely horrible last year, uh, but he still doesn't look necessarily like the Russell Wilson of old outside of a half of football or a quarter of football. Uh, against the Bears in their last game. But for the most part, Seahawks uh, really looking good. 3-1 and one now uh, and looking like they're going to be a playoff team uh, again this year uh, with Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. And we'll see how this whole thing plays out going forward. The New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers, shut up. Just enough. The, the McAfee show... And all the money that, that's been made there, that's great. A large part of that is because of Aaron Rodgers, without question. All of his interviews that he had during his time as Packers quarterback and so forth, that kind of what is what helped to put McAfee more on the map than he was before. Uh, and McAfee does great interviews. Uh, he's got to be the best former athlete to sit in a uh, chair of hosting a talk show that we've ever seen. He is just so, so good at what he does. But Rodgers, by far, helped put him on the map. And Rodgers now is still doing these weekly interviews now that he's a Jets quarterback and a hurt Jets quarterback regardless. So last week it was, oh, everybody's got to stop fighting with each other. They got to grow up. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. Now he shows up at the last game hobbling along on his crutches. Looked like he was moving a lot better than I thought he'd be moving uh, on his crutches. And now he's standing on the sidelines during the game uh, kind of trying to help Zach Wilson out. Now, coincidentally, Zach Wilson has the best game uh, of his year uh, to this point as a New York Jet. Zach Wilson really hard on himself after the game for the fumble, saying he lost the game and everything else. I don't know where everybody sits on Zach Wilson. I'll tell you where I sit. I really want the dude to ball out. I want the dude to have a huge, huge year and just ball out. And even better, he can ball out because of Aaron Rodgers kind of being on the sidelines now coaching him throughout this whole thing and put together a string where they win five, six, seven games in a row and just get on a run uh, with Zach Wilson. Because that, to me, will really kind of muddy up the waters for Aaron Rodgers in New York uh, kind of going forward. Because again, I think the plan is for Rodgers to play at least a couple of years here, maybe all four years, who knows, uh, with the New York Jets going forward. And if Zach Wilson plays really well, what will they do? Will they continue to go with the older player uh, or will they decide to change direction uh, and not do that and part ways with Aaron Rodgers and then Rodgers ends up with the Vikings and who knows what happens. Do they let Kirk Cousins go? It could get very interesting. So I'm rooting for drama. And when you root for drama, that means you root for Zach Wilson to do well. And I feel bad for the kid. I mean, just 
you watch, anytime he talks, it's just, yes, he was cocky and arrogant and all that coming out, and I get it. And now I feel like he's fighting the exact opposite battle with himself in his head. All right, that, that's that's the take on the New York Jets. The Los Angeles Rams. Okay, so Cooper Cup, it looks like, is going to be back this week for the L.A. Rams. Now, if you are a fantasy football player like yours truly, uh, and you drafted him and stashed him and been waiting to see if he comes back, uh, this is going to be a big deal uh, for you for sure, kind of going forward. And the Rams, I think, have played a lot better uh, to this point than probably most people uh, thought. Now, the other part of not only them playing a lot better, but you've also had uh, the emergence uh, in the wide receiving core that I don't know how many people actually knew who Puka Nakua was coming in uh, to this season. But Puka Nakua is putting on a show nine for 163 and a touchdown uh, this last week. Of course, I uh, played at BYU, and it is just simply amazing the job he's doing. And now you're going to add Cooper Cup uh, to that wide receiving core, uh, and you're going to give Matthew Stafford uh, a legit chance to maybe do something here. Kyron Williams is, is running the ball fairly well uh, for the Rams as well, getting a majority of, if not all, the carries uh, with the Rams. They're 2-2, two and two, but they've got a chance maybe to make some noise. I don't think they're as, as good as the Niners or as good as the Eagles or anything like that, but they definitely could get themselves in a position here to be a wildcard team under Sean McVay uh, and get this offense kind of back up and going again to where you kind of fear the Rams offense a little bit, and you're going to do it with a young guy, Nakua, and a vet in Cooper Cup. Nakua doing as well as he is. How do you play Cooper Cup now coming back, right? I mean, you've got to respect Cooper Cup, for God's sakes. You can't ignore him, but at the same time, this other dude is carving up every defense he sees. So what do you do with him? It's going to be a fascinating watch to see how this Rams offense evolves throughout the year, you know, if they can stay healthy now with their return of Cooper Cup. That'll do it for Around the NFL, sponsored by Long Shots uh, here on the Game Coon Show. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer filling in on 92.9 FM ESPN. Up next, Small Talk. Don't go anywhere. Here on 92.9, we talk ball every weekday from 4 till 7 p.m. Except right now, it's time for Big Man Small Talk on 92.9's Gabe Coon Show. Welcome back. Steve Sparky Pfeiffer filling in for Gabe Kuhn today and uh, small talk. And anytime we do small talk, I was told by my guy Connor here that I, I can talk about anything that I would like for the most part during small talk. Right. Is, is that correct? That is correct. It is choose your own adventure. Okay. I'm going to learn about Connor today. That's what I want. Oh, to do. okay. I, I, Great. I would, I would like to learn about Connor a little bit because we still have three days of doing shows together and who knows, maybe, you know, I, I won't suck and they'll invite me back to do this some more. Uh, <laughs> I want to know this. Jaron Jackson Jr. said at Media Day that, you know, ah, vacation sucks. You know, pretty much he'd rather be playing basketball. Man went to, like, Paris. Uh, but I'd rather be hooping. Okay, well, that's rich people problem. I, I, I'd like to know, if you could pick one place to go on vacation to that you've either been to or want to go to, and you could go next week, because you're, like, doing, like, all the shows, apparently, uh, at, at uh, ESPN this week. This is great. And you, you get the whole week off next week, uh, Brad Carson, the, the, the program director, is going to pay all expenses paid trip for a week. Where are you telling Brad Carson you want to go? Can I give you an odd answer? So, okay, because it's October, here are my top two answers. One, Salem. I would like to go to Salem. I'm a big, a big Halloween head. It's my favorite holiday. So going to Salem in October during Halloween season I think would be really fun. It's beautiful up there. you got the leaves changing. And then Edinburgh 
Edinburgh, Scotland, I think is a place that I'd want to be. I, I like the broodingness. Um, I do have Scott in my in my blood. I'm Scott Irish, so I want to go to the place of my people. I have red in my beard, and everywhere I go, people always ask about it. So well, I, this is actually kind of a, a quick, funny story. Last year, I got married, and we went on our honeymoon to Tulum, Mexico. And oh. when we got down there, they saw that I had red in my beard, and I'm also a very pale. I'm a very pale man as well. I, right. I do not have any tan within my body at all. And when I took off my shirt and they, and I had my beard, all of a sudden the staff was around me, and I was like, "What's going on here?" And they were like, "We've never seen anyone with red hair." And I was like, "Well, I, I hate to disappoint you. Took off my hat. Don't have red hair. Red beard, not a red hat." So, <laughs> so just a quick That's funny wild. story there. But I think it would it would be Salem or Edinburgh. Um, I also want you know I also want to go to Italy. I think at some point um, going to see the Louvre, the Louvre at a, in France or sure. in Paris could be fun. So, but I think my top choice because of the month that it is would be Salem. That's a beautiful thing. All right. Uh, next question. Favorite holiday you said uh, is Halloween. Right. So how over the top do you get for Halloween? Like, do you have like a huge Halloween display outside of your place? Do you like do Halloween trees inside? Like how over the top, do you get for Halloween? I, I go pretty hard. I go pretty hard. Like actually this past weekend, I was setting up the front yard and our side yard and, and the inside with Halloween decorations. I have a few more to go pick up actually this weekend for my parents' house. Um, I, I, you know, I make it kind of a big deal. I have multiple Halloween parties that I go to. I'm also a, a big movie guy. I love me some movies. Oh, as scary our, as, movies. As, as, as scary movies, yes. But as our listeners know, I'm a big, I'm a big cinephile, um, if you will. So I usually try to come up with a clever Halloween costume to go uh, as a movie character or something like that. For instance, uh, last year I went as uh, <laughs> I, went <laughs> I, I went as The Shining. Um, I went, oh as Jack is the shining end. I had yeah. the, I have the long hair and kind of, and I can do the eyebrow thing. So it wasn't a terrible look for me. So every single year I try to come up with a costume idea. I need to come up with one this year because Barbie and Oppenheimer are too obvious. You can't go that direction. I've been, I've been thinking about maybe doing a once upon a time in Hollywood, maybe a cliff booth type of deal. I might, might go that direction, but yeah, I go Halloween's a big, big deal for me. It's, you know, my family, we like to go down to Halloween horror nights a lot. That's usually a tradition for us. Unfortunately this year, they're going down there, but I'm not able to join them. Um, so we usually try to sneak down to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios and get in the Halloween spirit that way. No, no, man. I, I saw videos of Halloween Horror Nights. You can keep that. It's Ain't intense. No chance. It's There's super no, intense. There is no chance I am doing that. Like, for me, if I could pick somewhere to be, like, for the next week or whatever, it was Disney World. Like, that. that's it. I've been down there for, you know, October for Halloween, and you bring your little kids down there and... They have the whole Halloween party after hours. By the way, if anybody is is going to do Disney World and is like, it's way too damn expensive, like we can't do it and we're never going to get on all the rides and everything else, the way to do it, especially the Magic Kingdom, is do these after-hour parties that they have where you pay like 110 bucks or whatever the case may be. You don't get to go in until like 4 or 5 in the afternoon, but then you get to stay to close. They kick everybody out at a certain time after that, and then they have it limited to a small number of people. Like literally, I think we went on Small World like 10 times in a row one year um, at this thing, and you literally can just go on each and every ride as much as you possibly can. They got popcorn and ice cream booths and all this other stuff uh, all out there for the people that stay afterwards. And then for Halloween... And the different rides, they have these huge, like, blow-up balloons. And they have, like, huge uh, garbage cans, I guess, filled with all of this candy. And they have people working them. So you walk around the park, you look for these large balloons, and then you take, like, the ride aisle uh, all the way to where the candy is. And they take two handfuls of 
of each thing I candy and drop it in. It's not one piece. It's like two handfuls, and they drop it in the kid's bag, and then you go on to the next one. It is amazing. It is so much fun. But I am not like you. I am not about trying to get my my you know stuff scared out of me by any stretch of the imagination. I am not about to do that. No. I, 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 I love the th- it's the th- the the relief of not you know, being able to walk out of the the haunted houses is always is always a good time. It's for I don't I think it's because growing up, my my older cousins were a lot like brothers to me. You know, we're very very close, and they started showing me horror movies at a very young age. I watched oh you know God. Halloween, AMC Fear Fest has scarred many a millennial uh, because it would be on TV when it probably wasn't supposed to be. And right. I'll never forget watching the Blair Witch Project when I was like ten years old, and my c- older cousin who was he was twenty at the time convinced me that it was real, and it, it truly had an effect on me for a long time because I thought that damn thing was real and I was not able to sleep for a while but I don't know it's just Halloween's in my blood I think it's also a nostalgia thing like it makes me think of childhood a lot how big is your neighborhood into Halloween are you like the main attraction no does everybody get down because like where I'm at like they'll close down neighborhoods block off streets and people will have fires going in their driveways. People will be drinking, be scaring kids as they're walking up with lights on and the spotlights on the houses and playing Halloween movies. And it's a whole big thing. We're not there yet. We're still gathering our Halloween, I guess, all the decorations and stuff over the years. We're new homeowners. We've only been there for a year and a half now. So we were, you know, our cove, luckily we have a great, we have a youthful cove. A lot of young couples moved in. They're having kids and things like that. So all of us are doing Halloween decorations, but I think it's going to take me a couple more years, I think, to, to get all the supplies that I want to really blow it out for a Halloween uh, decorations. But I'm getting there. I'm, I'm building, I'm building the collection as we speak. And I'm telling you, that's the way to do it. You get, you get block off the streets. Uh, and you just make it one gigantic party, and you'll see you'll have people from all the other communities stopping to come and do two, three, four, five blocks of streets if everybody's into it and having a good time. And it's just it's awesome. Now you spend a ton of money trying to get enough candy to give away, obviously. Right. Uh, but yeah, it it is a lot of fun. All right, coming up on uh, tomorrow's show, uh, I want to point this out before I forget. Uh, Eric Hasseltine is going to be joining us uh, coming up tomorrow. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies play-by-play guy at four thirty. Uh, tomorrow afternoon. So if you want to hear some more Grizzlies basketball, we'll definitely be doing that. Ty Richardson tomorrow at 6 o'clock as well. Coming up next uh, at the top of the hour, Christian Fowler from the Bluff uh, on the Bluff podcast. Him and Gabe Kuhn normally do it. Obviously, Gabe is off this week on his honeymoon from Bluff City Media. Talk Memphis Grizzlies football. Got to tell you about the Tigers and Boise State uh, game. Nobody better to talk to than that with than Christian Fowler. That's coming up next here on 92.9 FM ESPN. WMFS FM and HD1 Bartlett. WMFS Memphis celebrating a legacy of sports as the flagship home of the Memphis Grizzlies and Tigers Talk. Always live on the Odyssey app and on smart speakers say play 92.9 ESPN. This customer service week, Bank of America is celebrating teammates who go above and beyond to support their clients. Like Emily, who helps clients create a plan to build the future they want. Like a wedding, having kids, or retirement. All real achievements her clients have shared photos of. For all your financial goals, we're here to listen and help. What would you like the power to do? Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash about. Bank of America and a member FDIC equal credit opportunity lender. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. 
That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products. And we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The IRS is the most powerful collection agency on earth. And if you owe back taxes, the news isn't good. The IRS is raising the interest rate it charges on unpaid taxes, and further rate hikes are expected. Most people don't know it, but the IRS adds interest charges to your tax debts daily. So if you owe the IRS today, you'll owe even more tomorrow. And it doesn't stop until you get right with the IRS. The good news is getting right can start with one phone call to Optima Tax Relief, America's number Number one tax relief firm. Optima's tax professionals specialize in the Fresh Start Initiative, a powerful IRS program that can save you thousands if you qualify. In fact, the experts at Optima have resolved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. Call now for a free consultation. Call 800 935 7144. 800 935 7144. 800 935 